You know, I, I feel like storytelling is such a powerful tool, but not when it hits you over the head. And I felt like the movie is so subtly around about climate. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to look a little and um, people aren't going to be bludgeoned by it. I, I, I think about like, you know, when you go to the zoo, people are like, why do they have zoos? Well, they have zoos so you can fall in love with the animals and then you want to take care of them. It's like my dream was like to make this movie that was a love letter to the planet and then we'll want to take care of it. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, romance complicates a young man's out-of-this-world plans in director Kyra Sedgwick's sci-fi romantic comedy, Space Oddity. The film tells the story of Alex, who bewilders his family after giving up on life on Earth and training for a one-way trip to Mars. But an unexpected romance may force him to choose between an uncertain journey to the stars or an even more uncertain journey of the heart. Space Oddity is Sedgwick's theatrical feature film debut. Her other directorial credits include the movie for television, Girls Weekend, and episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Ray Donovan, and Grace and Frankie. She was nominated for a DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Movies for Television and Miniseries for her 2017 film, Story of a Girl. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Sedgwick spoke with director Bennett Miller, about filming Space Oddity. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Kira. Yes? I'm curious. Uh, this is your first feature film. Mm-hmm. But you've done a bunch before this. Mm-hmm. What was the road to this specific film? You've done stuff before, but a feature, your first feature, why this, how this, how did it come to be? So this uh, script came to my production company called Big Swing um, in about, I think it was 2017 maybe, or 2018. I fell in love with it. Um, I thought it was a beautiful story that had a lot of themes that are really important to me. Um, and I, I thought that it was all it, this great thematic, fascinating deep dive into human beings, which is of course the thing I'm interested in, but in this very like entertaining container, you know? Um, so I knew that it would be funny. I knew that it would be sad and I knew that it would be hopeful and I knew that it would be something that, um, really touched people, but also made them laugh. And, you know, it felt very critical to me to do something around climate. And for me, this is a, this is very much a story about climate. It's also a story about another kind of loss and how like a family just like explodes and bifurcates and everyone goes into their own corner um, and how they get back to each other through connection, how we fall back in love with our planet with our place and also fall back in love with each other and understand that we really can't, we can't get over the grieving in any world without connection. And so 
So it had all that and a romance. I mean, what could be what could be better than that? So how did it come to you? Did you was there um are there like comps out there? Like I'm looking for something in this realm or that realm. And are there references of, of types of movies or were you considering all sorts of stuff? I mean, you know, I, it was, it was, it had that, that sort of Alexander Payne vibe of like that funny, sad, hopeful thing that he does so well, where like within a scene you could be laughing and then like within two seconds, like crying, there's that great scene in sideways where, um, where, you know, uh, Thomas Hayden Church is like, is laughing. And then all of a sudden he starts crying in the hotel room. He's got like a busted nose. It's like, that's, that to me is life, you know? Um, but weirdly, um, you know, I, I think that ordinary people is always something that, you know, I go to for, you know, but then there's like, on the other side, there's like Tootsie, you know? So, so for me, um, there wasn't really a movie that I could point to that feels like this movie. But what I can say is that in the look of the movie, we were, I was very attracted to Nomadland mm -hmm. and um, very attracted to the Joker um, with their large format. And that was, that was something it, it was there was a way a texture to the film that I wanted to and an elemental um, feature that I wanted to have in the movie that felt really important. So you have the script in your hand and um, then what? How do you get from this to day one? Well, you hope a lot. Yeah. Hope has a, has a lot to do with it. And tenacity, like what we were talking about, you know, just like unrelenting tenacity. And like, I, I have to make this movie. I want to make this movie that feels like an important movie for me to make. It feels like something that I could make well. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, you have to have a lot of passion, ton of it. And then we had to convince the writer that to give the script to us, you know, it was, it was given to me, to us to consider, but you know, then we had to, I think she had another version of the movie years prior and, um, it hadn't worked out. And I think that, you know, she was maybe a little gun shy. So I kind of had to go in there and do some tap dancing and begging, which I do really well. Um, and, uh, and, and try to charm her and tell her why I thought the movie was important and what, what were the themes that, that touched me and felt important. Um, and then, God, we, we just begged for money, you know, everywhere. I mean, we sent it out to so many places. Um, that was hard getting no's, you know, saying like, you know, your fetus is ugly. You know, we don't like your fetus. It's like, it's not a baby yet. <laughs> I know, sorry, that's a little dark. <laughs> but like, I think we all want to know who said that. <laughs> nobody said that. Nobody said that. I totally made that up. But, um, but you know, it's it's you're putting yourself on the line in a totally different way as a filmmaker and a filmmaker that like is asking, is is trying to get your movie financed. It feels very naked and vulnerable. And if they don't like the script, that feels hard. Um, but let's see, uh, one of the first things that happened was we attached an actor who later fell out, um, the sort of a, you know, starry type person and, um, role of Al Alex. What? Yes. For the role of Alex. Yes. Thank you. And, um, you know, 
with the with the hope that you know with someone like that we could we could raise the money what what happened was that as we were trying to raise the money we basically went out um and did some scouting of locations you know i i knew it had to be an east coast story it felt very much like i wanted like a very um a very uh the, that feckoned time in July, like that felt really important to me. So in March, we went out looking at different little towns and I noticed that, um, Rhode Island had a 30% tax incentive. And so we made a trip to Long Island. I mean, to Rhode Island. Um, my producer called a, called in a, friend of a friend of a friend of a friend to do some location scouting. And we looked at four towns and fell in love with Wickford. And it was beautiful, perfect town square. And that that whole vibe felt really right for the movie. And then um, that was March, like March 11th, uh, 2020. And, um, and then the world shut down. And so we were still begging for the money, but I was in Los Angeles during the pandemic, um, shooting a television show that I was acting in and I was feeling so powerless and so like, Oh my God, what can I do? What can I do? It's March. I want to shoot this in the summer. Um, so I called, um, this was, yeah. So I called, um, uh, Robin Hall. I, I so I looked online. I just, plugged in like flower farms in Rhode Island. And I found this incredible flower farm called Robin Hollow. And I literally called this flower farm, cold called them um, the day before Thanksgiving. I mean, sorry, the day before Valentine's Day. Thank you. The day before Valentine's Day. I literally called this flower farm the day before Valentine's Day. Totally didn't track that it was Valentine's Day. They pick up the phone. I couldn't believe it. Why are you picking up the phone in February? And um, and, and I said, hi, my name is Kira Sedgwick. And I, I really want to do this movie in Rhode Island this summer. And, and, and you have such a beautiful flower farm. Is there any world where you would consider letting me shoot the movie on your flower farm? And the woman was like, well, you're calling a flower farm the day before Valentine's Day. Um, and I went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I really don't like Valentine's Day. I mean, I like the flowers. I mean, the flowers are beautiful, but I don't really. I mean, it was, you know, one of those moments. And um, anyway, her husband called us back and um, and talked to us and you know, it was, fun, it was funny, one of those things where you kind of hang up and go, the sucker, I mean, the great guy's going to do it. You know what I mean? And, and he, he welcomed us and, you know, we, we went, then we went and visited his flower farm in May and fell in love with it. And it was so perfect for in every way with those sort of like, it was surrounded by this wall of, of rocks where, you know, Alex goes to look at the stars and the whole place on all three sides are, are, are enclosed and you know the whole flower farm itself was enclosed in this in this nestled in this in this bunch of rocks and it was just so stunning and beautiful and they let us shoot there and you know they let us shoot there for relatively little amount of money and we um and we, uh, they were still working that flower farm the whole time. And we got like a million dollars worth of production design for nothing, yeah. you know, next to nothing. Did um, Kevin pick up any tips from this guy? <laughs> yes, he did, actually. He, I insisted that he do a ride-along. And, um, yeah, no, he uh, he did. He actually spent some time with Mike on the flower farm. Yeah. Okay, so some money comes in. Yeah, so some money comes in. We hire a casting director who's lovely. We hire another actor of note who will hopefully help us raise the money. They fall out eventually, too. Um 
and, you know, some people, we had a certain amount of the money and, you know, we, we kind of, we just kept hoping a lot, you know, and kept prepping in my head. And I had a DP who I'd worked with once before, Alar Cavolo, who, you know, shot the movie and, and he was willing to work with me. And so basically I had like a year and a half to two years of prep. And that made a huge amount of difference as yeah. you can imagine for free. Cause I didn't pay him. I didn't pay. And I have a production designer and like, you know, yeah. so there was a lot of, of that, a lot of people lovingly working for free. Um, yeah. So, um, piecing the story together, there is, um, uh, a passion for the for the content for the thing and um a crazy obsessiveness um that a, a relentlessness that i don't know how anybody especially gets their first film done without i i do not know a story that does not have these qualities and i don't think That's you could good. i don't think you could make it up i think you have to be that you know i don't know be feverish to to do that so I was struck in the opening credits to see REI, which I'd never seen before. What is that? How did that happen? Um, I don't know exactly how it happened. All I know is that my producer called me um, at one point and said, you know, REI loves the movie and they have a small little studio and they've, they're putting in, you know, a nice chunk. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, I know their ethos is a co-op and I know that they obviously adore our beautiful planet, you know, and, and I think that they saw the, you know, this, the, the love letter to earth that I feel like this movie is. Um, but boy, we were very happy to get their money and give them a credit. Um, yeah. So no distribution when you begin. No, no, no. Oh God. No. no. So nice. So nice. <laughs> you think um, so? <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of yeah I feel like, the fewer people you need to ask um, permission from or anything, you know, that's, that could be hard. Um, okay. So you get to day one principal photography or what happens? Does, are you rehearsing or how do you? Again, you know, well, it was during COVID. I mean, we really had to cast off of Zooms, which was interesting. Um, yeah. And watching a lot of work and then, and then casting off of Zooms. You know, I, I asked the actors to do some readings, um, beforehand uh, when we got to the, the lead, um, couple, uh, Alexandra Ship and Kyle Allen came to Rhode Island a couple of days early and we did, um, some rehearsal with them. I did some rehearsal with them and, you know, it's funny because of course we were building this family, right? And we were just, again, hoping a lot that it was going to work, you know, but what I, what all these actors have in common is a humbleness, a humility and, and a love of the work and also pain in their eyes. You know what I mean? Like they're, they've all been through something and you see that. And so I, I hoped that the family would feel like a family and it really did. It just cohesed in this amazing way. Madeline didn't show up until very close to beginning shooting. And um, as soon as she met Carrie uh, Preston, it was like they were mother and daughter. I mean, it was really something. And did it feel different than the work you've done before in television? There's something fundamentally different about doing a feature? Well, of course. I mean, first of all, I get to be in charge of the whole thing from start to finish. Whereas it for a TV show, which I really do like to do episodic television, I like to do 
insert myself into an already working machine and try to have an impact of some kind or another, but there's a lot of, everything is chosen for you. Whereas for, you know, a movie, nothing is chosen for you. Um, the much bigger frame, frankly, you know, and, um, I, that's why I love the idea of doing larger format because it's so cinematic and so beautiful, but you know, you, you, um, I love the idea that, you know, it's going to be bigger. Um, and, um, and I love being obsessive and I love being very detailed about all of it. And, and that feels really good because it's, it's really your vision. And that feels very different from doing television. And where, where do you find you, your, your comfort zone is like, where, where were you, where did you feel your strength coming from when you um, began this different process yeah. feature? Yeah. I mean, I think that I always will approach something from an emotional place, mm -hmm. from a heart place, a heart directed, heart focused place. What do I want the audience to feel? Everything is through that lens. You know, how it looks is through the lens of how do I want them to feel? How you know, what the props are, what do I want them, to, what do I want audience to feel? Um, the sets, the clothes, um, all of it. So it'll always be from my roots in acting and building character and, and making things look believable. You know what I mean? Like making all the twisted, all the twists and turns of a script seem believable, but also that it looks believable. So I will always come from that place and that's a comfortable place for me yeah. because I have spent my life trying to tell the truth yeah. about emotion. Yeah. And what kind of difficulty did you run into? What were some of the challenges? No challenge, no, nothing. Everything was perfect. Yeah, I never, I've, I've never <laughs> experienced them either. <laughs> what I'll say is that, um, it was the raising of the money and the, and all, all of that it wasn't pre-production, which was wonderful. It was, it was that stuff that was hard raising the money. Next time I do a movie, I, I'm not going to have nothing to do with raising the money. Like I can't, I can't do it. It, it. It's just, it's awful. It's not a skill. It's not a skill set I have. Um, but, um, but I really, um, so the actual shooting of it, I mean, it was only 21 days, which is insane. Right. But I, I felt so, even though we didn't have a ton of prep, I felt incredibly prepared. Um, I felt like when things happened, like there were so many lightning strikes, like all the time, you know, in Rhode Island, especially that year and with climate change upon us, you know, a lot of erratic weather that would come upon, you know, us really quickly. And then we'd have to pivot. Every time we had to pivot, I could see that great things came out of it. So I was like, pivoting is not so bad. It doesn't feel good in the moment. It feels really scary. But if you trust that something good might actually come out of it and that just like embrace the I don't know. It's like you spend so much time planning as a director, but the truth is if you really live in a world as I do of I don't know, in some ways, you know, that's kind of great because then you don't know what's good for you necessarily, you know? Because like when I think about the actors that fell out, it was far better for the movie, like a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, and working with Kevin, 
Yeah. Kevin's amazing. I mean, he's an amazing actor and I, I love working with him. He was in my other, other shows, you know, that I've done. He did, he did the TV movie that I directed. I get to hire Kevin for things that not many people know he can do. And that feels really good. And, um, and it feels successful, you know, and people get to see a side of him that, you know, they may not always see and surprise people, you know, and, um, and I love directing him because he takes notes really well. Um, and, um, and he is just a lovely human and a great actor that if you can say something to him that, 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 that resonates, he'll just give you, you know, so much bang for your buck. And he, and he also will always try something new. He's not afraid of anything. And that is beautiful. Yeah. So the, the film has a message and it's also a story where you care about feeling. How do you balance these things? Do you, I mean, how do you, uh, there's, was there ever anything that needed to be reconciled between your interest in the environment and what you wanted to put out there and doing the story? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like storytelling is such a powerful tool, but not when it hits you over the head and not when it's, um, it's preachy in any way. And I feel like, um, restraint is a good, I have, is, is one of my finer qualities, you know, on film and as a director. Um, and I felt like the movie is so subtly around about climate. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to look a little and, um, people aren't going to be bludgeoned by it. I, I, I think about like, you know, when you go to the zoo, People's like, why do they have zoos? Well, they have zoos so you can fall in love with the animals and then you want to take care of them. It's like my dream was like to make this movie that was a love letter to the planet and then we'll want to take care of it. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's not preachy and it's, and, and really I, I, I have such, I have such deep compassion for the younger people right now who are looking around going, you guys really blew it on climate. And now I'm 24 and I'm really depressed. And, um, and I think that that the movie just inherently in what it's about, it has that message of like, you know, but it also has the message of somebody wanting to check out and go to Mars because they think there's a planet B as many billionaires will tell us. Right. Um, um, but there isn't. And, and the message of the movie to me is like, it's like there isn't a planet B. There's not a family B. You got to work it all out here. You know what I mean? And it's worth it. It's worth the fight. Yeah. And what would make anybody believe that we're not going to have the same problems when we get there? Exactly. Exactly. So um, when you're when you're making it at every level, at every stage, are you thinking about the audience, who your audience is, and what kind of distribution it might end up with and, or do you just make it for yourself? I mean, I think you have to make it for yourself. I think you have to make it for, Oh, this is the kind of movie that I would want to see. Um, the movie tells you what it wants to be. It feels like almost at every stage in the game and, you know, editing tells you a lot. And then people tell you a lot, um, when you have, you know, um, screenings and people tell you things. Um, but I think that 
Um, I don't honestly, I, 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 I dreamed of, of where it would go. You know what I mean? I wanted it to go to a theater for a little while and then, you know, end up on streaming like we all do, like we all end up on streaming. Um, you know, obviously I've been acting professionally since I was 16 years old, right? I've done a lot of movies as an actor. One of the greatest things in the world, and I don't need to tell you guys this or you, but is sitting in an audience and breathing with people and laughing and crying. It's like, it's the greatest gift we have as humans is to be together and feeling together and having compassion for someone that's not you on the screen. And the fact that we don't do it as much just breaks my heart. Um, but I wanted to at least have a moment where hopefully, you know, people will watch it in the theater. Um, and then, yeah, I want it, you know, the good thing about the streaming is that it has a very, it can have a very long life and I trust it will have a very long life. I think these actors are going to go on to do great things. And I think that then people will be curious about seeing their, you know, first movie, second movies. What a good um, place to pivot to the audience who's sitting and breathing together. If there are any questions. We shot in 2022 um, and we started uh, shooting June 4th and we finished July 4th. Oh, sorry. The, the question is that there was, there's a heart next to one of the names in the credits and uh, yeah. we've never seen that before. Yeah, there's actually two hearts and both of those people passed, I'm afraid. And so they passed, um, not one during the filming and one after, just oh. after. And so we wanted to do something. I think there was a question back there. Yes, 21 days is short. And we, we had like no cranes. We didn't have anything. We had our key grip, a female. Her name was Carissa. And she was a iron worker. And so she literally soldered together like two poles and made us a, and put weights on one side and made us a crane for that, for that, that beach shot. It's just incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, DP was amazing. And, you know, the great thing was, is that we had a very long time of pre-production, pre-pre-production, right? So, yeah. What did you learn on this, Kira? Sorry? What did you learn? Oh, God. What did I learn? Um, I feel like I can always learn more about trusting my instincts. Um, I definitely... Um, don't want to ask people for money again. I learned that. Um, um, and again, I, I guess, um, I really want to think about that. Hang on a second. Um, I learned a lot about, um, a lot of technical things, you know, a lot of, um, you know, and again, like it comes from the emotion the emotional place, right? Because I knew in that, in that dinner table scene, like I knew I wanted that scene to feel looser than everything else. I wanted it to feel looser and like people, you know, we don't know what's going to happen as audience. We're comfortable. We love these people already. So we don't, we know them. So we don't need to be on their faces for every line. We can be on their back and it doesn't matter until Tom gets brought up. 
And then I wanted it to stop. And then I wanted, you know, all those faces and feelings. And it's like, that was something that I was really afraid to make that choice. And, um, because it was a bold choice to make. Right. And everyone was like, do coverage. You should do coverage. You should cover yourself. And I was like, but this feels so right. And so I'm so grateful with the way it turned out because I think it's just right, you know, and, and, and I guess, I guess that just comes with, you know, just trusting your instincts, but also having a DP who's like, I, I trust your instincts too, you know, which is so wonderful. And also like as a woman in this business, you know, I just got to say, and, and as an actor in this business, you've got so much chatter in your head going, they just think you're an actor. They don't think you're a director. They just think you're an actor. And it's like, I think I can maybe like, oh, that at this point, <laughs> you know, but I think that, I think that's something also that women just generally speak, you know, feel is like, it's like, this is a man's game. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I think every time I direct, I learn more about how, how, what a lie that statement is, you know? Absolutely. Um, and how, how do you feel looking forward to the next one? Do you feel stronger? Is your appetite what it was? Do you feel um, like, for, I'm like, I'm not a happy creator. I need to recover and I go, oh God, I don't know if I could do that again kind of thing. Are you? Oh my God, I was ready in in post just start something else. Totally. I mean, a thousand percent. You're, you're a happy creator. I'm a happy creator. Um, yeah, I am. And, and if I read something that turns me on, it's like, I see it, I see it. And I go, well, well I got to do it. I got to do it. You know? Um, yeah. So I am a happy creator. Do you think your next film is going to feel like it, it belongs that these films somehow belong together or are you going to just pivot and put us someplace else? Yeah. I don't know, but I can tell you that I really look back at my whole career from the time I was 16 as an actor and as well as a director that I'm always attracted to family dynamics mm -hmm. in any form, even if that's like people that aren't necessarily family, but just have familial dynamics. And I also feel like that that's such a universal thing. I mean, we all come from a dysfunctional family one way or another, and it's so fascinating to me. Um, but I mean, I think that can take many different forms, but ultimately at the core of it is some kind of people put thrust together who have to work out their sh together, you know? My family was sort of perfect, so, but I understand that. Uh, you wouldn't know. I, would, I wouldn't know, but I'll take your word for it. Was there, okay, go. Thank you, that's you, really nice. Have you, uh, I mean, you've people have seen it, you've played it around a bit. Um, any surprising feedback or any feedback that's moved you from anybody who's uh, seen it? I've heard from a lot of people who lost family members, who've lost siblings about how well it's, how well that dynamic is portrayed and how families, suddenly there's an empty seat at the dinner table, right? And it's like, how do we refigure our entire world of this family, which is the world really, you know, and how do we ref how do we change this whole group, you know, this 
jigsaw puzzle. And I can only imagine how that must feel because if you change anything in a family system, the shit hits the fan. And if you take a person out, suddenly that role, that role is no longer being filled and everyone needs their siblings or their children to fill some role for them, in my opinion. So people have felt very touched by that, which I feel is great. And it was something that we worked very hard on in terms of dialing it in with, with, um, with the writer. Um, and also people have said that, um, that uh, just just what you were saying was that people are touched by the climate aspect and the fact that, you know, this kid is is depressed and then finds hope and then realizes that the fight is worth fighting here, that the good fight is worth fighting here and it is here. Mm. Questions, comments, commentaries, criticisms, all the <laughs> way in the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. That's so nice. Yes. That is another, that is the other comparison I've gotten is ordinary people. Ordinary people. And I have to say that as an actor and as a filmmaker, that has been a huge um, influence for me. Same. Incredible right? film. It's a Incredible great film. movie. I mean, and it was his first movie and it's just, it's just extraordinary. He had more than 21 days, though, I think. <laughs> thinking. So. And I bet he didn't ask anybody for money. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Do we have time for one more here? Okay. Oh, as, a, oh, as an actor and a director, as a director, woman to woman, as a director, how do you feel about actors being faithful to the script or going off script? Well, that's a great question. And I'll tell you why. And that is that after working as hard as we worked on the script and understanding how every single word was so lovingly and purposefully chosen, I really respected the text in this movie. And it felt crucial to me to get it once, at least as it's written or a few times, at least as it's written. And I was a real stickler for that. And in fact, I will, what, what I've learned, in fact, is that next time I direct a film, I'm going to say to my actors, talk to me if there's something you have an issue with the dialogue, just know, you know, let's talk about it before so we can fix it. Just know that I am a real stickler for the, for what's on the page. Doesn't mean we can't try it a different way afterwards, but I didn't realize what a stickler I was until this movie. And I think partly it's because it's a, it isn't, this is not a mumblecore movie, right? Like this is a very specifically, um, written, it has a style to it almost like it, I just felt like that was critical. And, and, and there were some, and and I will definitely say that to actors in the future so that they know it doesn't come as a surprise, you know. So in, in the future, do we have a sense of what we look forward to and what you would hope for in the films that you're going to make to come? Um, you know, I always just want to touch people. And even if it means, you know, I just want, I want to crack their heart open and you can crack people's heart open with comedy a lot easier in some ways. Um, but, um, so I, I'm hoping to lean into more of the, 
you know, funny, sad, hopeful, but more funny, more funny than anything else because damn, life is hard out there. So let's have some laughs, but also get touched in the process, you know? Well, you made a beautiful, touching, funny, poignant film uh, about something bigger than even that. And thank you, Kira. Thank you so much, Bennett. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 